0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning.
1: How are you this morning, Dr.
0: Paul? Doing fine,
1: thank you. Thursday, Thursday.
0: We're going to try to, uh, once again, save the taxpayers' money. Yes. If we didn't have big government, (laughs) if we didn't have a Federal Reserve that gives license to do anything they want, sometimes they'll have to declare emergencies, like there was a COVID emergency and they spent... Not a couple billion, not a couple hundred billion, trillions of yeah. dollars. That's but money. there was no problem yeah. because, uh, and they they don't they don't even use up any ink anymore. Used to be you had to pay for the paper and ink, <laughs> but now you don't have to do that. You just uh, do it in a computer. And that cost a lot of money, but uh, there's been uh, a shift of attitude because uh, big government always has to have an enemy to stir up the people, get the people upset and get the people to roll over and say, oh my goodness, my goodness, there's a war coming and we have to defend this. And, and they go over and they don't uh, worry about the spending and they, there's a lot of misunderstanding by the average person on economics. They they don't realize that spending when you don't have money is still spending yeah. and I, I call all spending a tax (laughs) because eventually the people get taxed. The tragedy is that the people uh, who suffer the most are the ones that are told, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you, you know, through the welfare system or the countries that we go and help out and spend a lot of money. Well, it's still going on, believe it or not. Our program's been on here, what, Five, six years, seven. And, uh, <laughs>
1: seven years. Oh
0: my goodness! It's so <laughs> much fun, I kid. The time goes so fast, <laughs> yeah. but they, they're, <laughs> they're, <clears throat> they're still spending money. But um, the reason why I stay very much involved is uh the stuff that we're doing now ends yeah it's it's ending in many ways the empire will end the welfare state is going to end before you know it there'll be price inflation and people will be annoyed cost of living will go up except to do something and hopefully we can contribute something to saying what you should be doing and what you should have been doing a long time ago so we want to talk about the talk this goes on of course with COVID. uh that that still continues but uh, it's being deflected because we have a real war going on you know uh, all kinds of innocent people being killed and people trying to sort out who the good guys and who the bad guys are and that has to do with the funding for uh, the war in ukraine yeah it's not a, you know it just astounds me it used to be uh, millions of dollars meant something billions meant something hundreds of billions meant something but now they're talking about trillions of dollars there was one p- recent period that uh, the money the uh, national debt went up six trillion dollars within a couple years and uh, it's so massive and out, out of control it's a ama- it's ama- it's amazing that people keep saying oh well you know it'll be okay or or they don't know what to do and they're lost but uh, right now it's a massive over there and uh i have my thoughts on why it's a mess it's the way we go to war that contributes mostly to that and the ability to pay for it with printed money uh that does it but it's a real mess over there and i'm talking about ukraine and uh but not so messy that they couldn't play the game of appropriating money they need more money and uh, they, they that's political because, you know, I, I, when I discovered that World War II and I was a kid delivering newspapers and we would go along and we would have savings bonds, war bonds, not saving, but war bonds. Yeah. And you put them in a little thing and it was $18 and you get a $25 bond and we were participating. And then later on it dawned on me that... That type of savings and the people paying taxes, essentially nothing. It was all printed money. Yeah. You know. So that's that, so this game they're playing now, which they did. They went and passed a a, a new bill here, 1.5 trillion dollars. House passed it, bipartisan. Yeah. The Republicans, where were they?
1: Yeah. You'll you'll,
0: tell, you'll explain <laughs> that to me.
1: It's funny. <laughs> I remember nostalgically. It didn't seem that long ago back. <clears throat> When we had what was the 14 or 15 spending bills that we did every year they were marked up there were a lot of amendments members got to speak their minds now it's all thrown into an omnibus they pass it it has got to pass so pretend like they fight with each other this omnibus will last I think to the end of this fiscal year one and a half trillion dollars and it was a compromise Dr. Paul actually let's put that first one up that first clip it was a compromise though and the kind of compromises that you talk about well first of all uh, you know, remember, it was just a week ago, it seems like forever, that, that they were talking about $6 billion for Ukraine. And then Biden says, no, let's do $10 billion. And the House says, oh, yeah? <laughs> Hold my beer. Let's do $13.6 billion. So we're going to send $13.6 billion for Ukraine. Obviously, that money doesn't go to people who are now out of their homes, who are on the streets, who've gotten their stuff blown up. It goes to, a big chunk of it goes to the military uh, for the buildup in Eastern Europe. Uh, and another big chunk of it, no doubt, will go to uh, people that are well connected in Ukraine <laughs> and also in the U.S. Um, to do that. But here's here's the thing. <laughs> Let's put up that second one because this. I was just joking. I wasn't joking about it being a compromise. Put up that next clip, and this is classic. Uh, what you always talk about: passage of the Ukraine aid and the 1.5 trillion dollar government-wide legislation. Let both parties claim election year victories for their priorities. (laughs) Democrats won treasured domestic initiatives. Republicans achieved defense boosts. Defense boosts. Bipartisan.
0: I want to address the process because you mentioned that, uh, you know, it it comes up and there was a time when we had debates on 13 different bills and the the one thing that was different back then where where they were still pretending that they were operating under the law, yeah, and so the rule was that uh spending bills were an open rule, yeah. You, you, that means you could have open debate, and you could go on and on if it was important. you just, It was very important talking about this spending of the money. Uh, now everything is ignored or a closed rule where you can't really amend it. The one thing I remember about it, uh, because uh, uh, the, um, the, the, the foreign aid bill came up, and it must have been in the early 80s. And uh, I don't think Nancy Pelosi was in the le- lead. She was probably in leadership, but not the speaker. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and it had to do with the U- U.N. budget. And I wanted to cut the budget or mm-hmm. get out of the U.N. or something like that. and. And for some reason, oh, I, th- I think th- there, the uh, le- the uh, chairman of that uh, appropriations committee sort of liked my position. Mm-hmm. So the debate went on and on. It went for over an hour. Wow. It was just mostly Nancy Pelosi and me. Wow. And she—did you know that she was she was a big spender back then no. too? <laughs> so, but but that's long gone, right now. So where where is the real negotiations going behind the scenes? Who knows? Because there's somebody else they have to take care. Of and appease. And that's the deep state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you look at what's going on in, uh, in Ukraine, it's the deep state militarily, but it's also the banking system. And, and how, how do you put on sanctions to protect the deep state? You know, sometimes they put these... T- Horrendous sanctions on, on on Russia, but they exempt some. Yeah, that they can still do it because credit card companies all have a lot of influence. So it's uh, if there there is a lot of debate. But the American people don't know it, and a lot of times uh, the the debate is really controlled by the propagandists, and we've had a little bit of that going on now, and we've experienced that in in the early part of this century when they had to have, uh, uh, you know, the propagandists really get the people ready for the war. And uh, they were unfortunately very successful at it.
1: Well, in that UPI article that we're we're talking about, here's a fascinating bit, Uh, and this just bolsters our view that... Basically, Ukraine is a new COVID, you know, and obviously it's not interchangeable, but it's a new shiny object that they're beating Americans around the head and neck with. Let's put up that next little excerpt from this article. This is fascinating uh, to anyone who's following, who, who is really thinking for themselves. Hours earlier, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had to abandon the bill's $15.6 billion for combating the pandemic. They just nuked all the COVID money. And here's what she said, the reason. We've got a war going in
0: Ukraine, she said. We can't be fighting COVID. She doesn't realize what, what opportunity she has because she can get any amount of money that she wants. But you have to pretend a little bit, you know, or manipulate Unlimited the way, the way they do, but
1: There's, isn't it amazing how they just drop COVID like a hot potato now? There's no talk about it. We're not talking. Well, about
0: yeah, it. but it, it isn't done without a, a bit of self-serving interest because uh, it, they were looking every day. They were getting to look fool, more foolish than yeah, ever. Yeah, and yeah. And they, they, were, they were talking about this thing, and they they were losing credibility. So we we contribute a little bit to that that uh, that attitude because every time a leader in a state or in the federal government government would contradict everything they were doing you know they were a bunch of liars because they say oh we have to save the population and we have to have social distancing and we have to have that mask on except for us yeah so we we are so super we will never be exposed to so the the leaders in the country that's passing all these things And and that information i think finally did it and finally then people started speaking out you yeah. know at the meetings and now now the main thing that they're worried about is uh, is when you have people speaking out so that's why they have such cur- curtailment on uh, on on speech yeah. you know because you can be canceled that that started with uh, you know, COVID. Yeah. But it's going to continue now if, uh, if you don't take the party line uh, militarily. And, and that's been traditional that you're never allowed to criticize anything if there there is a war going yeah. on. You
1: know. The propaganda is so strong. You know, we talked about it before. For two years, if you criticize flip-flopping Fauci, you were an anti-vaxxer. Now, if you're a little bit worried about inflation, you're pro-Putin. You know, <laughs> it's just a way of doing it. And, and on COVID, by the way, Jeff Tucker, who we talk about a lot, he's done great work on the COVID thing. He has a piece that we uh, reprinted on the Ron Paul Institute website called, forget about COVID they say. And I, I recommend that reading. Uh, but let's talk about numbers. Let's talk about money. Let's put on that next uh, clip, if we can, that next uh, excerpt from the article, if you can put that up. Democrats won a 6.7 increase over last year in domestic programs to a total of 730 billion. Republicans were able to boost defense programs to 782 billion a 5.6% increase. Now, I don't like the way they view this as Republicans are for the military and Democrats are for the s- domestic spending, because that's not true. It's a convenient sort of way of pretending that the parties have any difference. But those numbers are massive. Remember that um, Biden wanted a slight increase in defense and it was, well, why are we doing this? We ended the war in Afghanistan. We were not in war there. Why do we have to spend more? And now the Ukraine crisis mm-hmm. Has, has caused a massive increase in military you know, spending. The
0: one thing you can identify with that, if you look at it carefully, you will find that uh, the people who pretend to be progressives and anti-war and they don't want to spend the money, you have to look carefully uh, if you say, oh, they, he's not being consistent on this, why, why, is he, why is he voting for this? He's against war and this sort of thing. It has to do with what kind of uh, uh, deep state uh, pressure they can put on in their home state. And they're usually involved with uh, jobs and yeah. things like that, that's bringing money in. Uh, so, uh, yes, they're progressives and they're for freedom of speech uh, unless it annoys them and somebody's telling the truth. Yeah. And they're against all the wars unless uh, we're benefiting by manufacturing in our district so uh this is why uh overall uh you know the the breakdown of this financial system because it's going to break down regardless but if when it comes and it breaks down we will be forced even though right now you just do what they did yesterday yeah and they talked at 1.5 trillion emergency money you know this sort of thing it's a crisis that, that, that won't last, uh, and they're going to continue to do it, and there, there is not going to be a time where you're going to see a gradual improvement on this because the economics of it will demand an escalation. It's an addiction. It's an economic addiction that uh, they can't break it, and uh, it becomes a political monster. That's why this is going to stop. And this is why the American people have to be awakened to find out, what do we need? Where did we go wrong? And I've always asked the question so many times in campaign. They say, okay, I believe you, I believe you. What, what, what can we do with this monster? Yeah. I said, we should probably work hard to get everybody, uh, you know, in the Congress uh, to read the Constitution in a serious <laughs> manner. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, but that's, that, that's not going to happen. They already take a public oath. And uh, somebody says, "Well, the Constitution's not working so well, so I think we need a convention to rewrite it." And <laughs> I saw at one time sympathetic with that, but who would rewrite it? <laughs> Who's in charge? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, who yeah. are the politicians in charge? You can't say, "Well, the Republicans get to rewrite it," you know, and have have the new Constitution. Yeah, Tom
1: Cotton and Nancy Pelosi will rewrite <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. Well, you know, the Republicans, of course, they're the tight-fisted fiscal conservatives. Let's put on that next excerpt from the article, this UPI piece. These fiscal conservatives, Representative Tom Cole, Republican of Oklahoma, called the $1.5 trillion bill, quote, a reasonable compromise. (laughs) (laughs) Reasonable compromise. And meanwhile, we're going to sending an unbelievable amount of money to Ukraine. Let's put up that next one because here's, we've talked about this before. Here's Transparency International. Ukraine is ranked 122 out of 180 countries they rank. It is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. So if anyone believes that any of this money, even if it gets past the military contractors and gets actually into Ukraine, if it's going to help people that have no shoes on trying to get out of their homes ahead of the bombs, they really are living in la-la land. And our friend Tom Mullen, uh, who is a great libertarian podcaster and writer, let's put up this next one, Dr. Paul. uh, Dr. Paul, you'll appreciate the sentiment that he... Uh, expressed in a tweet this morning. Um, And I wish Americans would understand this. He says, Tom Mullen says, all the pain we're experiencing and have experienced over the past several years is completely government created. None of it, not COVID restrictions, not meddling in the affairs of other countries, not inflating dollars for supposed stimulus has benefited Americans one iota. Amen, right?
0: Yeah, and uh, you could also say, well, we need... tougher laws and this sort of thing to make sure they do that. But but the law is already against what they're doing because under the Constitution, they're not allowed to do this stuff unless it's precisely authorized. And uh, But they've taken the Constitution, turned it on its head, and, uh, and they say... The spenders say, unless it's been precisely prohibited, you can do what you want. And, and this is not the way it was written. And uh, yet they do not have this authority to go to war without declaration. I do not have, you know, on and on. They don't have the authority to have a Federal Reserve printing money and counterfeiting the money. And that uh, you can run up these endless debts. And, and, and you know, just how. I wonder how many violations there were in the uh, COVID epidemic, which is ongoing. There's still people struggling to get out from underneath some of those regulations. You see, some some schools and PTAs and all this are still saying, oh, we have to take care of the children and uh, that, that sort of thing. And, uh, it's, but, but they do not have the authority. So there's essentially no respect for the intent that was put into the Constitution. But there's still something that could be done about that, and that is just that uh, somebody has to grab the moral high ground and yeah. doing it because law doesn't make good people, but good people can make good law and improve things. But uh, right now, it's a, there, there's a lot of people that would agree with what I'm saying, but there's a lot of people that, you know, all they're doing, their main job is to have a, well, if my lobbyist is not getting what I want, uh, we, uh, we, we have to, you know, get a better lobbyist yeah, yeah. because we need it. We need it now. And right now everybody's short money in, you know, and that's, that's the solution. Prices are going up. They're short money, send them more money. Uh, and, uh, and I don't think that, uh, Biden's going to solve the problem of high, uh, gasoline prices. I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, that's for sure. Well, the next one we want to talk about a little bit, it's kind of a follow up to something that we did yesterday. And let's put up that next clip. This is from Politico and it talks about this plane, this jet deal. And uh, it's very interesting and very important, I think, to see the progression here. It's called Shot Down, how Biden scuttled the deal to get MiGs to Ukraine. The timeline is simple. The, the, uh, the f- basically, the foreign minister of the EU about 11 days ago uh, said that uh, we need to have some planes, some jet planes, and he here's who's gonna provide them, <laughs> Bulgaria, Slovakia, and Poland. And all three countries said, hang on a minute, we're not, we're not gonna do that. Uh, We don't want to do that. We don't want to to have our jets uh, flying into Ukraine and shooting down Russians because it seems like a pretty dumb idea. Uh, So then, but instead of just dying the death that it should have died, Blinken, the Secretary of State, he revived it. And he was asked in an interview, do you green light Poland sending planes uh, to Ukraine? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, we're going to backfill any plane they send. We're going to give them an F-16 if they send a MiG over there. Uh, and then right literally as that happened, the Pentagon said, whoa, hang, well, Poland accepted and said, OK, that sounds great. You can have all our planes. The Pentagon said, hang on, hang on a minute. This doesn't make sense. This is not a good idea. Let's put up that next clip. This is from the Politico article. And it's fascinating for a number of reasons. It's sort of an in, a real look inside the Biden administration. And here's John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesman, literally as the Poles accepted Blinken's deal to ship the planes. He said, we do not support the transfer of fighters to the Ukrainian air force at this time and have no desire to see them in our custody either. <laughs> it's a hot potato. We don't want it. And, <clears throat> and this is an interesting addition. He added that the Pentagon and the US intelligence community assessed that the warplanes wouldn't materially improve Ukraine's chances. So despite the fact that the rhetoric is saying that Ukraine is winning. Uh, And Zelensky saying, just give me a couple of planes, we'll have this thing over by Wednesday. Actually, in in reality, they're taking a hard look in the Pentagon and saying, this is not going to make a difference. Uh, They don't need them. And if we start shipping planes over there, we're risking an escalation with a huge amount of cost for very, very little benefits. It's fascinating to see the State Department and the Pentagon essentially at war on this. Yes.
0: I want to follow up on a quote you just made from the article. And uh, it it wouldn't materially improve uh, Ukraine's chances of of, of achievement. But the rest of the sentence says, but instead would escalate the prospects of drawing NATO into the fight. Draw them into it. Who who do you think's been doing this stuff? I mean, uh, and and I'm really very interested in detailing this. And we have. We've talked about uh, 2014, and we've talked about, you know, uh, under uh, under Bush uh, Sr., and Baker uh, they uh, they made promises and, and uh, deceived uh, uh, the, the Russians about where they were going to stop and we weren't going to push push NATO in it but they NATO was really have their fingers on what happened on t- 2014 yeah you of know course. Yeah. and the there's a coup I didn't know we believed in coups and the American people didn't even say anything <laughs> yeah. you know and uh, but uh, this whole thing is, I sort of got a little chuckle on it, to draw the NATO into this, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, i think they know what's going on, and I think they take their orders from the with the, with the people who really call the shots uh, as, as they were supposed to, even though they blunder along and they're inefficient, yeah. but they always fall back, and they have the authorities behind them, they're the international group anyway.
1: Well, the purpose of diplomacy obviously is to defend the interests of the nation and to prevent war that's the ultimate purpose of diplomacy but what we're seeing with this spat between the pentagon and the state department state department is pushing more aggressive it's pushing war uh, and the pentagon is saying hang on let's let's pull back from that and it reminds me you know blinken is an understudy of hillary clinton that's exactly how she treated the state department when she was secretary of state she viewed it not as a peacemaking organization but as a hyper war making uh, organization, she was writing checks that the Pentagon couldn't cash. And we're seeing the same thing with Blinken, who is less capable than she is. Uh, she's much more evil and more hawkish than he is. So that's why you see this crazy situation where our diplomats are actually pushing war more than our war fighters are.
0: Right. So, Well, I, I want to go on to another subject, yeah. if you're ready. And, uh this this um, is an issue that's been floating around there and there's talk but it's mostly talk because i don't think they're serious uh and but it's good it's a good approach if you want to try to fool more people and Zelensky aide says ukraine open to russia's neutrality demand but won't cede territory I don't think they should have to cede territory, and uh, I like the uh, I like the notion of of neutrality. Yeah. Uh, it's been talked about for hundred years, especially and probably a lot longer than that. But uh, that was supposed to be the result of the benefit of World War One that it would be uh, you know freedom of choice that people had self determination. Yeah. So it sounds good, but uh, this is. This has been proposed. I I think it's a good idea. I don't think it's going to be work uh, because... uh uh, p- people use it as a political stunt, uh, rather than rather than saying this is really what we want. But I like to daydream a little bit, yeah. and it's a w- wonderful thing to think. You know, even even our country, which is big, uh, I think the only decent way that the country could have done much better is had a country that emphasized and understood what personal liberty was all about, and you know, and have have a giant uh, state. That uh, is neutral, neutral. and uh, and you could still have your defense, but you wouldn't get involved in all this, all the waste and the killing and the inevitability of the appetite for empire. And usually, this is where empires end. They stretch themselves too thin, and they go about the uh, whole world. But you know, some people use criticism for for this, whether it's uh, hands off, whether it's on personal behavior. You got to take care of that economic behavior. You bunch of libertarians, you mean that you'd let the market work? You'd let uh, 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 prices adjust themselves and the people get to spend the money the way they want? And then on foreign policy, how in the world could you accept this whole idea? You've got a bunch of isolationists. You don't even want to talk to anybody. You want to have your own little country there has nothing to do with the the, the things I've been talking about. It's, It's really the opposite. It's how do you deal with people? How do you get along with them in a voluntary fashion where people are thriving and it encourages, you know, some of the good things to happen. You know, if you think about that, a household or a local community or a city or state, when you have that attitude, all of a sudden you see such an improvement on, on conditions, uh, but, but they have to badmouth it because if anybody accepted those points I was just making, that undermines, that undermines the empire, yeah. the authoritarians. What would the authoritarians do? Yeah, <laughs> They'd be out of work. Yeah. <laughs> they can go work at McDonald's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Washington would be a swamp again like yeah. it should be, like that picture you have in your office of Washington <laughs> as a swamp. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we actually would envy Ukraine if they're going to go neutral. Why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a, my final uh, thing that I want to bring up as we close. And just uh, skip over the next clip and just go to the last one. And I talk about Michael Tracy, and I like Michael Tracy. He's a journalist. And I like him, Dr. Paul, because he's not partisan. And he asks hard questions. That's what journalists used to be. And I think he's really the best, one of the best ones out there doing this. Well, the story yesterday all day was this airstrike that hit, supposedly hit a maternity hospital in Ukraine, in Mariupol, uh, which is a horrible thing. I was at the gym yesterday, believe it or not, and Fox was above me on the treadmill. And it was constant, constant. They even had that great expert Petraeus up there telling us all about this airstrike. No one questioning it. No one questioning uh what may or may not have happened and we know there's a lot of propaganda a and b we don't know what happened because we weren't there uh but the ap article says airstrike hits ukraine maternity hospital 17 reported hurt michael tracy asks wait there are no reported deaths in an incident that people were saying was the final straw to launch world war III? you have a full maternity hospital and you have it hit with a massive weapon and destroyed and nobody died And the Russians say, well, it was taken over by the military uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But certainly the lack of of death, which is a great thing, suggests that there might be another side to the story. Again, we don't know. But the way the propaganda was being slathered like lard on bread (laughs) yesterday was incredible. You know,
0: it it reminds me of the statement, the more things change, the more they stay the same, Uh, because when uh, our government and our uh, country was moving toward war against Saddam Hussein, and he was painted as a pretty bad guy. And he probably was a pretty bad guy. He was our guy. (laughs) Yeah, he was our guy for a long time. I think we helped him a lot (laughs) with our CIA. But he was a pretty bad guy when it came to the way he treated people in that country. So, but under the circumstances after 9-11, all all of a sudden, you know, they found information that he participated. And, uh, and uh, they had the evidence, and all that was all, you know, just uh, not true at all. But uh, but the one thing that went on there in the propaganda, what made me think of this was uh, the incubators
1: Showing the babies from the incubators, t- t- yeah. taking them,
0: taking the babies from the incubators, and they showed a picture. I bet that was one of the most. I bet it's one of the most. Uh, the issue that most people remember about—do yep. you know what he was doing? Yep. And they would describe that, and uh, that—that is—is uh, is something that uh, I, I think is very emphatic. And it was—and the people who promoted the story—it was an advertising firm. Yeah. The person who was supposed to be an agent for—you uh, you, know—the good people in Iraq was, uh, I think, uh, living in Washington D.C. Well, she it, was
1: ambassador daughter. Yeah. The Kuwaiti uh, ambassador's daughter. And
0: and they found that out. But it was not it was irrelevant. We still went to war and still killed a lot of innocent people over. So that's that's the big problem. Even even when the people finally get talked into it. Most of the time uh, people are Innocent they get killed and I think the people who get drawn into it even when they make a decision themselves because of Propaganda and patriotism and you hear some of the horror stories of people just saying oh 9-11's happened I gotta do this. Yeah. It ain't go out and find out that it was uh, Some of the stuff was based on lies."
1: Yeah, I'm all done. Dr. Paul okay, Brick, and here. I want to
0: thank uh, all our viewers today once again for tuning in to, to the Liberty P- report We still are very pleased on how things are going with our programming and the people we're reaching because our programs seem to be being picked up more. And that's a sign of whether we're reaching anybody. Actually, uh, You know, when I started uh, involving speaking out, the last thing on my mind was to get into politics. It was just to speak out about the monetary issue. And uh, I would occasionally, I was still practicing medicine, I would occasionally go to a business group and I would go to a college. And I remember that if I'd go to a college campus, they would say, well, this is a doctor who wants to talk about money, and he's a libertarian. And, and I, at times, I'd get 15 or 20 students to come out. And I thought, well, one here and one there. And that changed over the time. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm optimistic, because people... I uh, want to hear somebody doing their best effort to tell the truth about what is happening And the monetary issue was such a big issue for me because, uh, you know, without the Federal Reserve and the printing presses running, you couldn't. You couldn't support the welfare state or the warfare state; it would restrain government. So that, that was one of the reasons it happened, and it's an issue that is still around. And right now, we're witnessing the collapse of that. When I see these markets the way they are moving, they're not going to gradually get better. I, I just don't think that uh, you know in the next year or two things all of a sudden are going, I hope I'm wrong on that, but uh, it, it, they're not. They're not likely to get better. The one thing that will make it worse. And they hint at it, but I predict they'll probably do it. They give it an 80% chance that they'll do it. They'll put wage and price controls on. And believe me, they have that in, that idea. They do that already by regulating prices. But when it comes massive wage and price controls, it really plays havoc. And uh, then there's uh, people who have to break the rules uh, because they can't survive any, way, uh, any other way. And uh, that would be a, a big event. So uh, I, I hope I hope we can just stop the adding on and start pulling back. And uh, once it's recognized that we can't do it, when people give up uh, dependency on our military, our foreign policy, and dependency on our financial system, uh, I think uh, that we have an opportunity. The door will be open. The crack will be open for us to reintroduce the principles of liberty. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.